0: Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader, Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.pagesiweb.org or www.anilarana.com.
1: Today's talk is going to be um, rather short, I hope, but very simple, I know. And today's talk is simply because I want every one of you to flourish, because God wants you to flourish. Unfortunately, in my experience, I've noticed that many people who know God and know Jesus Don't flourish, but languish. And when I was coming back from Hong Kong, I happened to read this book by a guy called John Ortberg. The book was titled The Me I Want to Be. And in it, he suggested the reasons we languish is very often we try to be people that are not the people that God created us to be. And I got to thinking about people that I've met people like you. And I discovered how true this is. I met a man recently who in the entire hour that I spent with him, just kept boasting and boasting and boasting about the things that he did, trying to impress me. And I knew that the boasting was hollow because most of it was not true. I met a woman who was beating herself up very severely because she couldn't pray like a prayer group leader prayed. He woke up every morning at 4 o'clock, and she said, I can't get up at 4 o'clock. And she said, that makes me a bad person. I met a youngster, and this youngster also had a similar problem. Saying that, she didn't feel very spiritual because she couldn't pray, because whenever she tried to pray, she found she couldn't concentrate. And I realized that almost every person that calls himself a Christian suffers with one kind of a problem that is similar in nature. And so what I'm going to talk about today is talk about four people first that we try to be that aren't we, okay? And the first person is the person we pretend to be. Have you had experience of that, pretending to be someone you're not? And I think all of us, at some point in of our lives, pretend to be somebody else, and it's not really a big problem if that's once in a rare time, but if it's something we do constantly, then it can become a problem. Why can it become a problem? Because you will get caught, like in this story that I'm about to tell you. There was this guy who was promoted to lieutenant, okay? You think he'd be happy being a lieutenant? He wanted to show off. So one day a private came to visit him, and he wanted to show off in front of the private. So he picked up the phone before the private could walk in and pretended to have this conversation with the general. So the private comes in and hears him say, yes, general, definitely general, we will do this together, general, we will conquer, we will be victorious, general. You can count on me, general, and then he kept the phone down and he said to the private, sir, what do you want? And the private said, I've come to connect to your phone, sir. (laughs) Can you imagine how the lieutenant felt? He's talking on a phone to a general. that The phone hasn't been connected. So if you ever talk on a phone to somebody, make sure your phone is connected before you do that. Let me tell you another story. And This one's a true one because it happened to me. I was in this crowded elevator. And there was another guy on the phone. And he was talking business, okay? He was talking business, not in thousands or 10,000s or 100,000s. He was talking business in millions. And everybody in the elevator was looking at him thinking, wow, this must be a big shot businessman. And then suddenly as he went on about his million, guess what happened? His phone rang. (laughs) So if you are ever pretending to have a conversation with somebody, please make sure your phone is off. (laughs) So it doesn't ring on you getting you caught in the act. But seriously, seriously, pretending is very exhausting. And I sometimes wonder why we take the effort to do something that honestly is not going to impress anybody. We try to impress people that were spiritually mature. We try to impress people that were holy. And we con people so well, we sometimes even try to con God that we're holier than we are. Has it happened to you? Why do you bother? People are fickle. They might have a high opinion of you one day, but they can change their opinion of you overnight. See what they did with Jesus. Jesus walked into Jerusalem and they laid palm leaves at his feet. A few days later, they crucified him on the cross. So why bother to pander to these people who are going to spit on your face just as quickly as kiss it? And like I said, it's very exhausting. Have any of you gone for a job interview? You have? Very exhausting, no? Why? Because you're pretending. I'm pretty sure that at that interview, you're pretending to be somebody that you're not. You're pretending to be super intelligent. You're pretending to be super hardworking. You're pretending to be a whole lot of super things that you really are not. Forget a job interview. Have you ever gone on a date? You remember your first date? All the rubbish that you said to the person opposite you, trying to impress them, no end. And how exhausted you were after you finished that date. You came home and you went, thank God that was over. And you think you'd have learned your lesson, but no, they are looking for the next date after that. So why bother to pretend when God has created somebody truly amazing in you? Second, we try to be people we think we should be. A lot of babies today. We bless them. We bless them. We try to be people we think we should be. Now I'm pretty sure that most of you when you were small had some kind of idea in your mind of what you should be when you grow up, right? Now I don't know what girls thought of, but I know if you're a boy what you thought of was probably because of all the comic books you read. You know, Batman and Superman and Tarzan and Spider-Man. You wanted to be a superhero. And it's a good thing you stop wanting that, otherwise half the people in this world would be roaming around with their underwear outside their pants. (laughs) If you wanted to be Tarzan, you wouldn't be wearing pants at all, right? (laughs) But even though the people that we want to be like changes, what doesn't change is a desire to be like somebody else because we think that we should be someone else. I know there are many people who want to be me. I'm not kidding you. There was a guy who so wanted to be like me. He used to wear the same shirt I used to wear and the same pants, white and black. And whenever he used to come to my house, he used to run to the bathroom. And I used to wonder, why is he running to the bathroom every time he comes? Until somebody told me, he goes and sprays your perfume on him. (laughs) Not only did he want to be like me, he wanted to smell like me too. I mean, my goodness me. And yet, 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 we do that, don't we? We do that all the time. Wanting to be somebody else. Trying to be like somebody else. I was in Bombay recently and I met this lady who admired the leader of a prayer group. She said, I heard this fantastic talk he gave a couple of months ago about praying constantly to God. And and she said, he said, I pray every morning at five o'clock. I wake wake up at 3.45 and I'm on my knees by four and I'm praying to God. And the reason I want to do that is because Jesus woke up at four o'clock in the morning and prayed. And she said, I look at him and I want to be like him, but I don't know how to be like him. Because I have a wife and kids, and by the time, you know, I put them all to bed and have taken care of the cleaning and everything, it is 12 o'clock. I can't get up at 4 o'clock. Brother, tell me, how can I get up at 4 o'clock? And I said, why do you want to get up at 4 o'clock? Jesus could get up at 4 o'clock because he didn't have a wife and children. (laughs) You know that? Did you know that? You need to realize that in the service of your family you might be actually being more spiritual than this preacher who gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning and neglects his family. Sometimes we confuse spirituality by the things that we do rather than how we act. That we show love to the people close to us. We take care of their needs. We make sure that our kids are fed and put to bed. We make sure that we wake up in the morning early enough to make a meal for them so they can take it to school. All this is also spirituality. And sometimes we just confuse because everyone says, no, you got to pray and you got to study and you got to do this and you got to do that. Are you listening to me, brothers and sisters? And then we want to be what other people think we should be. And that is amazing, you know? They don't have a hold on their lives, but they want to have a hold on yours. And they're all very anxious to tell you what you should do and how you should live your life. And everybody, from your parents to your spouses and your brothers and sisters to even your children, they want you to be a certain type of person. And sometimes we give in to them and all the time we're trying to be people that we simply cannot be. Trying to meet expectations that we simply cannot meet. And we wind up exhausted and we wind up tired and we wind up languishing. And you also got to understand that these people, I'm not saying all of them are bad. Some of them might be very good, but these people are telling you how you should be, are using their life as an example to teach you. Now what works for them need not work for you. You need to understand this. What works for me need not work for you. I might be able to read 10 chapters of the Bible a day. But then I'm a reader. I like reading. So for me, reading 10 chapters of the Bible a day comes very easily. You might not be a reader. For you, even reading one chapter of the Bible would be a lot of effort. And if you were to do that one chapter of the Bible, you would be fulfilling what God is asking you to do. Are you listening to me? All of you know the story of David and Goliath, right? Goliath was this big Philistine who one day challenged the people of Israel. And everybody in Israel was chicken, including the king, a guy called Saul. Big fellow, King Saul. Goliath was bigger. And you know how sometimes we get intimidated by people who are bigger? But then in Israel, there lived a little shepherd boy called David. You know him? And he said, hey, I will fight this guy. And Saul said, very good. Yeah, but if you're going to fight, you need armor. So Saul took his armor with which he had won many battles and he put it on this boy. Now you need to picture this, all right? Saul is this big guy. I mean, bigger than me, all right? David is this teenager, young shepherd boy. He takes the helmet, it kind of covers half his eyes. You got a picture of this, right? He wears that armor and it kind of weighs him down. He takes the sword and he can barely pick it up because it is so heavy. Fortunately, fortunately, David had enough sense to understand that he couldn't fight wearing this armor. So he said to the king, you know, thank you very much for this, but this simply doesn't fit me and this isn't me. I'm a shepherd boy and I know what I'm good with. I'm good with a sling. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up stones and I'm going to beat this fellow. And because David, listen to this, didn't let somebody else dictate what he should be, slew the giant Goliath. And I want us to understand this. Preachers are good people. They're well-meaning people. But if any preacher tells you that you should do what he does, insisting on it, then you're in trouble. I know preachers have told me I should say four rosaries a day. I mean, get real, man. I mean, seriously. I know preachers that tell me I should pray four hours a day. I mean, seriously, get real. I have preachers that tell me all kinds of ways I should do things, and It just doesn't make sense to me. It's like waking up at four in the morning. I'm a guy who needs eight hours of sleep. Forgive me, but I do. I'm like a child in many ways. In this way, I'm definitely like a child. If I have anything less than eight hours, I'm a very grouchy guy. Ask the people in my office. (laughs) They will make sure that I have two coffees before they start to talk to me. And then sometimes I think, you know, you have people who say the Holy Spirit woke me up at four o'clock in the morning to pray. I say, thank you, Holy Spirit. You've never woken me up at four (laughs) o'clock. And why do I say that? Because if I were to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, I'd be so grouchy. I'm telling you, even Jesus wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. I mean, picture it. You wake up four o'clock in the morning. You know, you haven't had your coffee. You get there on your knees. Here's Jesus. Lord, I'm here. You know, four o'clock. Life sucks, Lord, you know. And, and Jesus is going, what are you doing? Have your coffee. Or better still finish your sleep and then come. You know what I'm saying. I hope you know what I'm saying. Because God wants to free you today from all the shackles you bound yourself with, doing things that aren't you. Please listen again, doing things that aren't you. People have expected me to be a certain kind of preacher. I couldn't be bothered. When I converted, I know a lot of things about me changed, but a couple of things didn't change. You know what didn't change? My boots. Have you seen my boots? And my hair. Why do I need to change that? I've always worn my hair long, and I've always worn boots, and just because I come to Christ, it doesn't mean I should suddenly start cutting my hair short, wearing ordinary shoes and walking around. Look at Paul. Before he met Jesus, he was a passionate, zealot Christian persecutor. After he met Jesus, he was a passionate, zealot person who was willing to die for people. The basic essence of who Paul was didn't change. And the basic essence of me hasn't changed. I am still as crazy as I was 14 years ago. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. She's somewhere here. Why? Because I don't believe I need to change. And you also, if you think after you come to Christ, you have to become a different kind of person, hey, think again. This is not to say you're not going to change. You are going to change. I've changed a lot. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. But the essence of you, your personality, the talents that God has given you, the gifts he has blessed you with, they're all unique to you. They're all special to you. They're what? Make you who you are. And when you try to become somebody else, hey, you're just losing the essence of your soul. You're losing the spirit of your being. And God doesn't want that to happen. Now, there is a fourth thing, and this is very dangerous, but I need a sip of water before that. So, excuse me. You want to do a hallelujah for me while I sip this water? <laughs> Go on, you leave them, Jihad. One more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bet he's thinking, oh, I wish I could do this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) The fourth person that we try to be is kind of the most dangerous. Now listen to this carefully. We try to be the person we imagine God wants us to be. I want to repeat that. We try to be the person we imagine God wants us to be. We start reading the Bible and we see all these rules in there. And we think, now I got to keep all these rules. Rule one, rule two, rule three, rule four. And you know what? We can't keep them. You know you can't keep them. So what do you think? You think I'm a bad person, I'm a useless Christian, and eventually give up your faith. There was a survey taken recently where people were asked to measure their spiritual growth. And you know how most of them measure their spiritual growth? By the rules they followed. Paul in his letter to the Galatians says, following rules will not bring you closer to life. Following rules will only make you a rule follower. And the problem with following rules is, you know what? Even if you're able to follow them, you become a self-righteous, boring person whom nobody wants to be close to. You become a person who suddenly has a superior complex because, hey, I'm able to pray four hours a day. I'm able to read ten chapters of the Bible a day. I'm able to do this, and I'm able to do that. And I'm able to do all these measurable things that I believe is a standard of my spirituality. And because I'm able to do this, what happens is I think I am greater than you. There's a guy called Henry Newman. I'm not sure if I got the name right. But he said, true greatness does not come from being greater than others. True greatness comes from being as great as you can be, given who you are. You know, I know Photoshop. I love design. And I got to thinking, if I were to pick these four people at random and say, I'm going to teach you Photoshop, only an idiot would expect all four of them to do equally well. He might know computers. She might not know the first thing about computers. He might like design. She might like design. He might hate it. So each four of them, each one of the four is going to learn differently, yes, no? But somehow when it comes to spirituality, we just assume that everybody has to be on the same page. How can that be? Some people can grasp things quicker, some people will take a long time to get understanding, some people are able to do things, you know, so easily, some people struggle with doing things, and we need to understand that, not just about others, but also about ourselves. Which brings me to the person God created you to be. And for most of us, that is not the person you are currently acting like. So what is this person that God created you to be? And how are you to find that? How are you to discover who this person that God created you to be is? Obviously from God. He's the one who made you. He's the one who made you so wonderful. He's the one who gave you your bone structure. He's the one who gave you your hair. He's the one who gave you freckles on your face. He's the one who decided whether your nose should be pointy or your nose should be curved or your nose should be whatever. He's the one who gave you your personality, this unique thing that makes you who you are. He's the one who gave you gifts. He's the one who gave you talents. He's the one who gave you charisms. He's the one who gave you everything that makes you who you are, the most wonderful person in the universe, unlike anybody else. (laughs) That phone works. (laughs) You know, you don't believe me, take a look at the person next to you. Does anyone here look like you? One, on. I'm mean, going to hope not. <laughs> we all look different because we are different. Okay. Now to discover whom God created you to be, you need to go to God. And how does God do that? God has to find some way of talking to you. And the way he does it is through his spirit. Now I discovered this beautiful passage from Uh, The Gospel of John, and I'm going to read it to you in its entirety. But before that, I'd like you all to stand up for a minute, please. I'm almost tempted to make jihad do this, but never mind, I'm going to do it myself. Raise your hands up in the air. Open your hearts to God and to the words that he's going to say to you now, because these are words that will change your lives forever. Say, Lord, my mind is alert that I'm listening very carefully. And I believe that I have all the understanding that you're going to give me to be able to to really realize what it is that you're trying to tell me here. And Lord, as I hear these words, let your river start to flow through me like never before, Lord. And let this river flow through this entire world around me. Hallelujah! feel God here. Please be seated. <clears throat> you know, Mana, Mana from heaven sounds like this. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that you've heard this passage before, but listen to it like you've never heard it. On the last <clears throat> and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit. I'm going to read this again. Look at me this time. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. To receive the Spirit of God, all you need is to believe in Jesus. I'm going to make this very simple because I want you to get it. So when you believe in Jesus, he gives you water to drink. It might seem like simple water until you read the next line, which says that rivers will flow through you, through you, enabling you to become the person you want to be. And these rivers will flow out of you into people in the world. A river flowing through you. How? Ask the question, how? And the answer is simply from what you drink from Jesus, which is the river of life. And sometimes I don't think we've got this, even though we've read this, that what you're drinking is a river of life. Now, rivers are mentioned over 250 times in the Bible. The Bible begins with a reference of river, to a river, and it ends with a reference to the river. And a river is continuously spoken about as a symbol of spiritual life. Now, you need to understand that in the days of Moses and the Israelites, Israel was a desert. So a river was something that everybody needed. A river is something that all of us need. Now imagine yourself in a desert, needing to survive, and there is no water to be found from anywhere. What do you do? You perish. You languish. So as the deer pants for streams of living water, the summer says, my soul thirsts for your God. And most of the time when we hear this, we think of a little Bambi kind of deer in a golden green forest. Not golden, green forest, you know. And kind of a little thirsty, so it kind of goes and laps at a pond. No. The deer the psalmist is talking about is a deer in the desert. Where there is no water to be found anywhere, and the deer has to find this stream of water, otherwise it will die. And the psalmist says, we too are dying. We too are dying and without God, without this living water that only God can give us, we're going to perish. Why are we going to perish? Because you're thirsty. And when you're thirsty and your soul is parched, you will go and seek whatever water from wherever you can find it. You will go to the wells of pornography. You will go to the wells of illicit sex. You will go to alcoholism. You will go everywhere you can to parch that quench in your, th- in your soul. And you can't do it. And you know you can't do it. And that is why God, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And two, they have built their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And he says, here I am, the river of life. And all you need to do is come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. I know most of you are believers. But in the assumption that there is someone in this crowd that is not a believer, the first reason you're dying of thirst is because of sin. You're separated from God and there is nothing to do. So what God says is something that I quoted the last time I was here. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. And the first rest is the weariness that we feel, the burden of sin that weighs us down so much. And then we taste of Jesus. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we taste of Jesus, what happens? We're so captivated by this water. We fall so much in love with Jesus that we're willing to do anything and everything for him. My God, I remember those days. Do you remember the day when you met Jesus? Do you remember the time when you tasted him? Oh, it it tasted so wonderful. It was like the nectar of life. And truly, it was the nectar of life. But then you know what happened. Are you able to move powerfully with the power of God within you? And if you aren't, then where is the river of life? You're just pretending, are you not? that you're flowing with streams of living water when inside you're parched, you're hollow, you're empty. There is nothing but dryness. So what does Jesus say? He says the same thing again. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you life. You know, one of the reasons I share what I feel and I've encouraged the people in my ministry also to share whatever they go through is because we're not pretenders. I don't like pretenders. So we come and we bear our failings and we bear our faults, and we expose ourselves for who we are. Why? Because we're not interested in impressing anybody. The only person we really care about is God. Now, when I returned from Hong Kong, it was a great mission, the final mission in a year of great missions. But when I came back, I felt a certain dryness in my soul, in my spirit. I felt a certain weariness, fatigue. And I realized something. I realized maybe I was not as close to God as I used to be. I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but if you can relate to this, this is for you. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone? Not necessarily a sexual or romantic relationship. Any relationship where the person loved you very much? Have you been? And has this person who loved you so much suddenly one day kind of moved away? Stop seeing you, stop talking to you, stop being with you. And you know the pain that you feel in your heart. In ministry, I feel this pain all the time because I have people around me who love me so much and then one day they just disappear. Natasha was one of them. I can talk about her because um, she doesn't mind me sharing these things. I used to counsel her and she became very close to me and she used to love me a great deal as a brother, of course. And then, of course, after a while, you know, kind of she moved and started doing her things as we do. And I did my things and I kind of, you know, I went on for me. I don't let people really hurt me. But one day when I met her, I said to her, you know, you used to love me so much at one time. What happened? And she burst out crying. And she said afterwards, I realized, I realized after you said these words that I'd become so far away from you. And when I came back from Hong Kong, God said the same thing to me. He said, Anil, you used to love me so much at one time. Why have you moved away? And I burst into tears too. Grown men do cry. So I said, What do I need to do, Lord? And all he said was, Come to me and drink. And that is all it takes for all those of you who are thirsty. Come and drink. The prophet Ezekiel tells a beautiful story of a man, you know. I want you to imagine this man as Jesus. He says, come to you all, you weary in bed, and then I will give you rest. And you go to Jesus. And Jesus takes you to a river, and he says, step in. And you don't want to step in the river, so you just put your feet in a little bit. Have you ever done this when you've gone to the river? And what happens? You're still in control. If you want, you can go back like that. You can jump up and down. You can do whatever you want. You're in control. Then Jesus says to you, come a little deeper. And you don't want to go. Water's a little cold and the sand seems to be sinking underneath your feet. But you take a few more steps and now the water is to your knees. You don't have the control you had a little while ago, but you still have control. You can still jump and you can still take steps like that. Have you ever done this on the beach? you have and jesus says to you good come a little further and you go on a little further now the water covers your waist and now you realize you've lost a lot of the freedom that you had before you've lost a lot of the mobility that you had before but you still can swing your torso and you still have control over your hands you still have control over your mouth and then jesus says to you come in deeper And then you go deeper until you're entirely submerged. And he says, now drink. And when you drink, and now you don't have any control over anything. God has the control because he is the living water. And he wants you to be completely submerged in him. He wants you to be saturated in him. And you will float. And you will glide. And sometimes he will tell you to swim. Maybe against the current but you listen to what he's telling you to do and you obey. The gentle voice of the spirit. How many of you use GPS's here? You've heard of GPS's at least. All right. Now I was in Melbourne. Melbourne is a big city and everyone uses GPS's there because nobody knows where anybody else is. Seriously. Okay. You go to Melbourne, you'll find out the truth of that. So I sat in this car one day and I was supposed to go for a meeting. And this man I was sitting with, the driver, he thought he knew Melbourne. Some people think they know everything. Have you met people like that? I'm sure you have, yeah. I had an uncle who thought he was an expert in cricket. He'd never held a cricket bat in his life, but never mind him. Okay, so this man got into the car and the GPS, he turned it on. Nice GPS, crisp British accent. Turn left ahead. you know, and then you go on further. And after a while, she said, turn left. And he said, no, no, I know I have to go right. So he turns right. What does the GPS do? Recalculating route. Please take first, you turn ahead. He says, no, no, she doesn't know what she's talking about, kept driving. And every time he kind of took a direction, she would kind of say, recalculating route, recalculating route, till he said, shut up, you idiot, and put the GPS off. Within five minutes, he was totally and helplessly lost. He didn't have a clue where he was. So what did he do? Turn the GPS back on. You know what the GPS did? You blithering idiot. I told you five minutes back to turn left. You didn't turn left, you turned right. Now you suffer. Did the GPS do that? No. What did the GPS do? Very good. Recalculating route. And that is what Jesus does with us. And that is what I want you to understand. Okay, you messed up. You've taken the wrong direction. You've taken the wrong turn. You've tried to be people you weren't. You've tried to pretend. You've tried to do all these kind of things. What Jesus is saying now, hey, just be the person I created you to be. And this person I've created is wonderful. Wonderful. There is nobody like Sanju with a hairstyle like that. There's nobody like Jason There's definitely nobody like jihad. You want to do that hallelujah again, jihad?
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: There is nobody like them. And if jihad wants to be Jason, jihad is an idiot. And if Jason wants to be jihad, Jason is an idiot. If you want to be somebody else, I'm telling you, you're stupid. I cannot resist that. I cannot, I cannot not do that in a meeting anymore. Stupid. <laughs> that is what you are if you want to be somebody else. So don't stop. Stop today. It's going to be a journey. But trust Jesus on this journey. Let his spirit, let it constantly be inside you, working in you. And I'm telling you in no time at all, once you're yourself, once you're exercising these gifts that he's given you, once you start to use the energy that only you have, once he starts to make your personality shine in front of others, you see the kind of river of life that you start to become. You will never be that if you try to be me. I am me because I have this river flowing through me. Why? Because I don't try to be anybody else. I don't care what anybody thinks of me, says about me. There are so many times people have told me, you know, you should be like this and you should be like that. And I say... I don't tell you to be like anybody, do I? Do I tell you to grow your hair long? Do I say you should shave that beard? I mean, I, I think I told somebody that the other day. Keegan! <coughs> and seriously, don't listen to me. You be the person you want to be, Keegan. <laughs> be the person God wants you to be. And let other people be the people God wants them to be. And see how happy you will live. See how fruitful you will be. And see how the blessings will not just flow within you. The blessings will flow through you and out of you. Okay? Now Jesus is standing by the river. And he's saying, come to the water and drink. And I hope my choir, my young choir, knows the song. Caused me to come to the river, O Lord. Let's go. Let's all stand. Father God, we want to thank you for the words that you spoke to us today. The different kind of words, Lord, from what you usually speak to us. But we know they're important words because... We all know that many times in our lives, we've been fake, we've been pretentious. We've tried to do things to please others. We've tried to be people that others wanted to be. Sometimes we've had our own impression of what we should be. And sometimes we imagine what you want us to be, and so we follow a whole lot of rules, Lord, thinking that will bring us holiness, not understanding that holiness comes from following the ruler and not the rules. And that when we follow you, when we're with you, when we're close to you, you will teach us wonderful things and you will guide us into all truth. And you will help us grow. You will nourish us and nurture us so that we flourish, Lord, instead of languishing. The prophet Ezekiel, Lord, one day came to a valley of dry bones. And God turned to Ezekiel and said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, "Only you know, Lord." And yes, you did know, and the bones did live again. I don't know the state of my brothers and sisters, yeah. I suppose they are, if they are typical in various, stages of spiritual dryness, various stages of, of languishing. But Lord, I know that there is nothing that is dead or dry or even rotting that cannot be made okay with you. But what we need to do is to come to you and drink. So I want us to see Jesus, but before that, one more hallelujah, this time gently. Hallelujah. 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 Let's make it like a love song. Hallelujah.
0: hallelujah All
1: right, please be seated, close your eyes and relax your bodies. This is going to be a time of blessing. And Jesus is going to bless you. You see a desert. There seems to be nothing growing, nothing, not even a cactus. The ground is cracked and parched and your soul is as cracked and parched as the ground underneath you but in the distance you see a figure standing there Now you can't see his face but you know it's Jesus and the man over there stretches his hands out towards you in a gesture we all recognize has come We want to respond to that call. And we're going to respond in song as we sing. Cause me to come to thy river, O oh Lord. Cause me to come to thy river, O oh Lord. Cause me to come to thy river, O oh Lord. Cause me to come. Cause me to drink. Cause me to live. Let's sing.
0: To come to thy river, oh Lord. Cause me to come to thy river, oh Lord. Cause me to come to thy river, oh Lord. Cause me to come. Cause me to come. Cause me to drink. Cause me to drink. Cause me to live. Cause me to live. And Jesus says, Come,
1: and you walk towards Him. Every step is a painful step, but every step is a step of hope. You know you're going to receive something, but you don't know what it is. Maybe it is healing you want, healing for your soul, battered and bruised. Maybe it is healing for your heart, hurt and pain so many times over the years. Maybe it is healing for the mind, worried and anxious, addicted to so many substances. Maybe it is healing for your spirit, ruptured, whatever it is you go believing that he will find it here. And as you approach Jesus, you find that his face is radiant. His hair is like golden fire. And his eyes blaze that you with love that you can't even begin to comprehend. And you feel like you're drowning in their depths. And you notice now that he's standing beside the water. <clears throat> it's a river there. The water lapping gently on the shore. And you want to drink that water more than anything else in your life. It's pure, crystal clear. And you know that it's the most amazing water you're ever likely to taste. But once again, you want to ask Him to drink it. So you sing it in song. Cause me to drink from thy river, O Lord.
0: Cause me to drink from thy river, O Lord, cause me to drink from thy river, O Lord, cause me to drink from thy river, O Lord, cause me to come, cause me to come, cause me to drink Cause me to drink, cause me to live, cause me to live, and
1: Jesus reaches out and holds your hand, and he says, yes, you're going to drink, and I'm going to give you the water of life myself, and he drops to his knees, pulling you down by his side, puts his hand into the water and scoops up some and brings it to your lips that are as parched as your soul is and as you drink you realize this is not ordinary water you're drinking you're drinking from the river of life water that's gonna cleanse you water that's gonna heal you water that's gonna deliver you water that's gonna bless you water that's gonna anoint you water that's going to fill you with such great abundance your heart is going to become a spring in turn flowing this water into the out into the rest of the world so you drink and he keeps filling your mouth with water hand by hand hand by hand and as you're drinking that water now you start to understand what the river of life really means what faith really means and what Jesus really does for you when you believe in Him. He gives you the water of life, His Holy Spirit. Drink this water now. Drink it to your heart's content. But after you're done drinking with it, don't say, this is enough. I've received enough tonight. Let us want to drink for the rest of our lives so we never, ever feel parched again. So we never, ever feel dry or arid again. So we're always bathing in the goodness and the glory of God. So that, so that He will truly be proclaimed as this mighty God of the universe. And so we say to Jesus, "Cause me to live by this river, O Lord."
0: Cause me to live by this river. Cause me to live. Cause me to live by this river. this river. Cause me to live. Cause me to live by this river. By this river. Oh cause me to come. Oh cause me to come. Cause me to drink. Cause me to drink. Cause me to live. Cause me to. Cause, drink. cause me to drink
1: cause me to come to thy river oh lord
0: everybody cause me to come to thy river oh lord cause me to come to thy river oh lord cause me to come to thy river oh lord. lord cause me to come me to come, cause me to drink, cause me to drink. cause me to live, cause me to live, cause me to drink from thy river, o Lord. everybody, cause me to drink from thy river, o Lord. cause me to drink from, from thy river. Drink from the river, O oh Lord. Cause me to come. come. Cause me to, to drink. drink. Cause me, me to live. Cause me
1: to live by the river, O oh Lord.
0: Cause me to live by life.
1: Thank you for the water that's going to make us flourish and grow and blossom and bloom and bear fruit in abundance. Thank you for the water of life that's going to take away all sickness and all pain. For the water of life that's going to smash every addiction and every bondage. For the water of life that's going to truly restore my spirit into the image and likeness of God. God is spirit. And to be in his image and likeness, to be a spirit that is united with God's spirit. And Lord, as your spirit mixes with ours and starts to to mold us and to to flow through us, Lord, help us to be a mighty river that will flow into this world, bringing your goodness to everybody around it. A parched world, dying of thirst. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for all who make this evening possible. Thank you for the priests of this parish and all those who work here. Thank you for my wonderful team, Lord, who work with so much of effort and zeal and humility. And thank you for the people who seek you, Lord, through us. We bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, Visit our website www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.